Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. I love that we get to be in the presence of God, and I believe that God is, is here this morning. I mean, I, I believe that you can feel Him and sense Him. Hopefully, I pray that you, that you can do that. And uh, are you guys doing well? I mean, are you feeling well? Yeah? You feel good? I think it's good to check up on each other every once in a while, isn't it? To ask somebody and actually look for a good response, a, 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 a real response, a, a healthy response. I've, the reason I, I, I've been trying to do more checkups is because uh, you know that we have our newborn who is almost three weeks old, and tomorrow he'll be three weeks, and so that means we've gone to a lot of checkups We've gone to the doctor quite a bit just, just to make sure everything's healthy. He's, he's gaining enough weight, which he is, okay? He is, the kid can eat. And uh, he, he, he's, he's healthy. We've got, you know, checked out. And, and we always, as parents, doesn't matter if it's your first kid, your second kid, your 90th kid, you still ask some questions, you know, like, should the umbilical cord look that way, you know? Or uh, uh, is everything healing the way it should after uh, circumcision? You know, things like that. We always ask. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But um, <laughs> you ask these questions, like, does he look healthy? Is he doing all right? And so we, we love our doctor. We love our, our kid's doctor. In fact, anytime that we are going uh, to, to the hospital, to the, the, the doctor's offices, my son always asks for his doctor by name. And we love the doctor that he has. He's, he's competent. He's approachable. He's actually from Madeira. And so we love that. I don't know if he's ever going to listen to this. But if you do, Doc, I won't say your name, but I love you. And so uh, we're so, I, I'm so grateful for him. And when I started thinking about doctors, I started thinking about another doctor. This is my segue. I, uh, hopefully, you're picking up on it. I thought about another doctor in Scripture. And uh, that was, say, smooth segue. No one even believes it was a smooth segue. I'm thinking about a doctor in Scripture because I've been hanging out with a doctor. And uh, there's another doctor in Scripture, and his name is Luke. Do you, you know, you maybe heard of him. He wrote a gospel called the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote a book right after that that's uh, the, the book of Acts, and, and, and as I started thinking about being checked up, and I thought about uh, different doctors, I thought about Luke, and he, he tells us from a, from a doctor's perspective about a, another doctor who's, who's greater than he was. He, he tells us about the great doctor, or the great physician, and his name is Jesus, and Luke writes a gospel about him to tell us about this other physician who, who goes beyond any type of medicine that Luke could have ever practiced. And if you ever, have you ever read through the Gospel of Luke, just sat down and read chapter after chapter? Has anybody ever done that? If you begin to do that, you begin to see that it's almost like a cascading uh, story of miracle after miracle after miracle. Luke, he's, the, he's really the only uh, Gospel that stacks these stories this way. And he's presenting to us a Jesus who does the miraculous. He, he's presenting to us a Jesus who is supernaturally able to meet every need, no matter what situation you find yourself in. And he begins to write this uh, from the perspective of a doctor, which I love Luke's perspective because as a doctor, he knows the limitations of medicine. And so when he begins to talk about the supernatural and the miraculous, he has a new approach to it because he's seeing something that he's never seen before practiced in medicine. And basically, how I like to look at it is Luke is is like our primary physician in this book, and he's giving us a referral to a specialist for a need he can't meet. You ever gone to the doctor and you have to 
get something else done that your doctor can't do, and so he has to give you a referral to a specialist. Luke is basically writing this letter as our referral to the greater physician who can meet any need that we need and any need that we may have and the things that Luke can't do in his own medicine. He knows somebody, though, that can meet your need, that can meet the special things that you require. And so as we kick off, we're kicking off a new series today called Miracles, looking at the miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospel of Luke specifically. And the first, the first miracle that we're going to examine is not the first miracle Jesus performed, but it's a, it's, a, it's a miracle, I think, that sets the tone and the precedent for how we're going to approach miracles as we read them throughout Scripture. All right, And we're going to be looking at that through Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17. It's the story of Jesus healing a paralytic. And we're going to turn to that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter, uh, chapter 5 in Luke. Uh, before we do, let's pray together. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we ask you, Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that the anointing of your Holy Spirit would be here. I pray the anointing of God to heal would be here as well, Jesus. I pray that the anointing for salvation would be here as well, God, that you would do a work in our hearts today that you would open up our ears to hear, open up our eyes to see what you're doing. We love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're with me on chapter 5, verse 17, you can also follow along right behind me. It says, on one of those days. You ever had one of those days? You don't know yet. I haven't told you about it. But on one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. I want to set this scene for you real quick. Obviously, we're starting in verse 17, so you don't know what happened in verses 1 through 16 before. But as Luke tells about different miracles, uh, beginning in chapter 4, he, he points out the fact that Jesus made it a regular habit to get alone with God. Every time that Jesus... Would, would perform a miracle or would, would do something, he would then seclude himself to a, 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 a secret place almost, a place that he would get alone with the Father. And he was ta- Luke is saying, on one of those days, one of those days that he had just got back from being in a quiet place with God, he comes down and begins to teach. And, and do you know that it's important to get alone with God? Do you know it's, it's important not to just throw up some generic... Hail Mary prayers once in a while, but it's important to actually set time aside in your schedule to say, God, I want to connect with you. God, I, I, I want to see if you're really real, really moving in my life. I need to hear from you. God, there's things going on in my life that I just can't figure out with a quick prayer of let me have a good day or let me, uh, let me bless people or let, be, let me be blessed. Like, there's something else about just getting in a quiet place with God and, and setting time aside to spend with Him. Jesus was doing that, and on one of those days, he came down and began to teach. He began to speak to these people, and he began to teach a room full of Pharisees and teachers of the law, the Bible tells us. And these were people that were, uh, they were kind of like the religious elite in, in Judaism. They, they wrote the laws, they studied the laws, they, they designated their entire lives to, to study the Scripture, and to relate it to people. And, but if one thing you know about Scripture, throughout Scripture, is that the Pharisees, Jesus didn't like them very much because they were super religious. They, they would put heavy burdens on people that they themselves did not carry. 
They would tell somebody, you need to do this, this, and this, and they didn't even live that way at all. He would actually call them whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. And these are the people that are sitting in this room, sitting in this house that is complete. The, the whole house is packed out with these kind of people, the religious elite. And as he's continuing to teach, it says in verse 18, And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because, hallelujah, bringing, finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst of Jesus. This is probably one of my most favorite stories or events of one of the miracles that Jesus performs because the audacity of these friends... Could you imagine you have a meeting in your home, it's packed out, so somebody goes on the roof and just starts tearing a hole through it? To, could you imagine that? I mean, some of you probably have some friends like that, right, uh, that would just do that for fun. But uh, the, it, I love the tenacity of these, of these men, these men who had a friend that needed a touch from Jesus, and they were determined to get their friend to Jesus. How many of you know we need friends that will take our needs to Jesus. Do you have friends like that? Do you have people in your life that will say, look, I, I know there's an answer to your situation, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to help you find that solution. That solution is Jesus. Do you have anybody that says, man, there's something in my life that you need, and his name is Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Let me, let me tell you what he's done for me. Do you have friends like that? We need people in our lives, even as believers, we need friends that will pray for us when we're going through hardships and struggles and situations. We need friends that will take our needs to the Lord. We need friends like that. We need to surround our, our, ourselves with friends like that. We don't need friends that are negative and, and always uh, trying to pull us down. That's not going to help us. Those friends are not going to get you to Jesus. Those friends are not going to cut a hole in the roof to get you to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? They might cut a hole somewhere and throw you in it, but they're not going to be the ones that, that help you find Jesus. And this story highlights so many things uh, about why we, why we need each other. There are times in our life when we fall and we can't get ourselves back up again. Even there's a proverb that says that two are better than one. If one would fall on a field, the other could help the other back up again. You need somebody in your life that's going to help you back up. If you think that it's just like, bless God, I, I know, man, I've grown up in church almost all my life that I've, I've seen people like, bless God, just me and God, I don't need nobody else. No, that's not right. That's not right. That's not how, God would not create the church for us to be individualized, isolated people all in one building. No, he called us to be together as a family, that we can do more together than we could ever do apart. And so he designed it for us to love each other, serve one another, care for one another as we love the Lord. And so it's not just you and God, because if you live like that, then you will fall on your own and no one's going to be there to help you back up again. This story reiterates that time and time again that we are created for the Lord and for each other. That we need people to lift us up, to take us and take our needs before the Lord. That's one thing that we've been praying for as we're getting ready to launch these community groups, I met with the leaders, those who are going to be hosting the, the community groups in their homes, and we've been praying for you. We've been praying that you will get connected, and we believe that in this season, as we launch into this new area of our church, that 
that God is going to bless those who will dig in deep and get connected with other believers. I sincerely believe that God is going to take us to the next level. It's, it's beautiful how God is already multiplying our efforts as meeting together. Initially, we would just meet on a Wednesday night, and those are great times. I love those times. But now God has called us to multiply that and open up the nights so people can gather. And now we have people gathering on Monday nights and Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights and Thursday nights. They're going to be gathering together, praising the Lord together, encouraging one another, strengthening one another, fellowshipping one another. And now we've multiplied the opportunities. And now we have our church, people in our church are meeting five times a week. Isn't that awesome? Because we believe that there is care that happens when we gather together we worship the Lord and we fellowship together. And so I would encourage you again to make sure that you go back and find a time slot and a day or a location that works for you and get signed up for that because we're going to be launching those next week and you want to be a part of that. So make sure that you're with us on Wednesday night when we have our prayer and worship night. That's going to be a time of empowerment and encouragement. And then be ready to sign up and make sure that you're in those groups so that you can be a part of what God is doing in this church. Can somebody say amen? We need each other, don't we? We need each other. We need, we need friends that will rip the roof off to help us meet Jesus. Because we can't do it alone. There's, there's another observation in this story, though, that anytime I've heard this story preached or this, this event that happened in, in the life of Jesus taught, the first part of it kind of gets read over pretty quickly. And as I was reading it, the Lord kind of brought something to my attention that I think that he was speaking to us and speaking to my heart specifically. And, he, and Luke tells us that the room was full of religious leaders and the power of God to heal was with Jesus, but those who needed the miracle were being blocked by the crowd of religious leaders. And here's, here's my take on this. I believe that anywhere the spirit of religion is, that spirit will always try to stop a move of God. Anytime that people become religious in their hearts, meaning it's not a relationship with the Father, it's not a relationship with Jesus and seeking to know Him and, and have Him speak to our hearts, but it's about a bunch of rules and regulations and you got to do this and you can't do that and you judge somebody for the way they look or what they did the other day. or It becomes a religious spirit, almost like a judgmental spirit. That spirit will always try to stop the Spirit of God from moving in people's lives. And this story illustrates it. The room was full of religious leaders, and those who needed a touch from Jesus couldn't get in the room because of the religious spirit that was there blocking those who really needed a touch from Jesus. I believe that any time a church or a person becomes religious and, and self-righteous in their own minds, the Spirit of God can't freely flow through them. And that's a warning to us as believers, those of us who have been walking with Jesus for quite some time, and we try to, we try to uh, uh, measure our relationship with God by how long we've been a believer, or what we don't do and what we do do, right? Because it all turns into do-do when we try to live that way. It's got to be a relationship with Jesus, not a, a spirit of religion that becomes a weight upon someone's shoulders. These religious leaders, that's why Jesus called them whitewashed tombs because they looked good, but they, didn't, they weren't alive on the inside. The only way that you become alive on the inside is when you invite Christ to give you life on the inside and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and then you walk in relationship with Him. This scripture reminds us that the spirit of religion tries to crowd out a move of God. Why is that important? 
I think as a church, we wonder why we don't see the miracles that we read about in Scripture. Why is it, does it seem like those happened long ago, and yet we don't see them happening now today? Perhaps it's because we've become too religious in our walk with Jesus, and we're stopping a move of God from actually happening in our services. Maybe it's because when, we, when a move of God begins to flow and we begin to feel the Spirit moving, we, we would rather have something nice and neat and packaged than we would rather have a move of God because the move of God will get messy. Sometimes the roof will be ripped off. Sometimes the tiles will go flying. Sometimes dust will fall from the ceiling. And, and we, we aren't comfortable with that. We aren't comfortable with, with the mess that could potentially happen when a move of God moves. And so we need to be a people that says, God, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter that uh, if the game's on or I start getting hungry. That, because those things can begin to push out a move of God, begin to crowd out because it becomes more about us. That's what religion is. It's about us trying to get to God. And so it's self-centered. And anytime we become self-centered, then we aren't God-centered. We aren't seeking a move of God. So we would rather quench that so we can be on our own time frame. And so we need to be a people that says, God, I don't care what it looks like, what it sounds like. God, I am desperate for your move. I am desperate for your spirit to take over in this place. God, I'm desperate that you would encounter us in a very real and powerful way. We need to be a people that is not religious, but are a people that have relationship and seek an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because when a move of God begins, and the Spirit of God encounters those who truly are desperate for Jesus, then I believe things start to happen. I believe that the roof begins to get torn up. And I think that in our worship, that's a beautiful time. We sing surrounded. This is how we fight our battles. I think that as we, as we worship the Lord and we begin to take the concerns and the needs of others to the Lord, I believe the, the spiritual roof begins to lift. I believe the things that the enemy tried to hold us down with and tried to confine us with begin to get ripped off and, and God is, is moving in new and powerful ways. I believe this story is a literal story, but I also think it's symbolic of what God is doing in the Spirit with us. That if we would allow Him to move, that He begins to lift the ceiling of our expectation. And we begin to go even deeper and higher with Him when we are, our expectation begins to grow and the roof of our expectation begins to lift. Amen? I wonder if, if we can be a people that could begin to blow the roof off of our expectations as we begin to worship and praise our Heavenly Father, and that would create this space for God to move in, the, in our lives and in the lives of those who desperately need His touch. Religion crowds us out. Faith and worship and praise begin to create room for God to move, create space for God to move. I think one of the, the most dangerous things in our society is how busy we get we crowd out our lives so much with everything else that we've given no more space for God to move in our lives. And Jesus demonstrated that from the very beginning of this story, that he came from a quiet place. He created a space for him and God to meet. And from that space, he came and the Spirit of God moved. From that space, the, the power of God to heal rested upon him. 
And you crowd out your life so much with so many things and you're trying to do all these other things partially because we have an issue with being alone. We have a hard time being in silence. It's something down inside of us. The enemy doesn't want you to be alone. He doesn't want you to sit in silence because the Bible tells us that God speaks in a still, small voice. So if he can turn up the volume on everything else in your life, maybe he can crowd out God's voice in your life. And I'm calling us to be a people that said, God, I'm going to make space for you to speak, and then I'm going to worship you, glorify you, and ask you to make space in my life so that you could come and move in my life. Because religion seeks to stifle, but faith seeks to free us. In verse 20 it says this, and when he saw their faith, I love that. Jesus saw their faith. Do you know your faith has a look to it? Do you know when you have faith, faith is an action? What demonstrated these men's faith? They tore a roof off of a building. That demonstrated their faith. What, does dem what demonstrates your faith? How do people know that you are a believer in Jesus? What does your life look like that people can say, I know that person has faith in something greater than themselves? Is there evidence? Jesus saw their faith, and he said, Man, speaking to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. And it says this, the religious leaders, the scribes, and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I love that part. But it also saddens me, because they were seeking a God that they didn't know, and even though he was sitting right in front of them, and demonstrated to them, only God can forgive sins. Yes, I am God who forgives sins. And they didn't even recognize him. They didn't see him for who he was. They couldn't perceive who was sitting there face to face, the creator of the universe. Jesus declaring himself to be equal with God, to be God, and they missed it. And we can get so wrapped up in life and in other things that we forget what God is doing, or we miss a move of God that's right in front of us because we're so caught up, we're so caught up in everything else. Especially the spirit of religion, because the spirit of religion seeks knowledge without transformation. The spirit of, of, of religion says, let me learn all that I can so that I can have all the right answers, but the right answers never change my heart. And I'm sure that you know people, maybe even if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now and say, God, am I that kind of person that I'm always trying to know more, but I don't actually live, live it out? Because then you can crowd yourself out with more knowledge, but when a, God, when a God moment is moving right in front of you, you'll miss it because you're looking somewhere else. And we need to be a people that say, God, we want to see you move. We don't want to miss it, even if we're in the midst of it. We want to hear you. We want to feel you. Because it's a heart issue, and it's where our eyes focus. Are we about ourselves, or are we about him? Verse 22 says this, When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say rise and walk? I think that's a great, a great question that I would ask you. Which is easier? Which is easier? For someone to find salvation in Jesus or to be healed in their bodies. Jesus is demonstrating that they both take a move of God. He is saying that they both require a, a moment for God to intervene. And he's saying, if I can do one, I can do the other. 
But for some reason in our, in our church culture specifically, we, we have enough faith for people to come to know Jesus, but some, for some reason we fall short when it comes to having enough faith to see people healed in their bodies. And Jesus is saying, I can do both. I can, I can free you from the bonds of sin and forgive you of all your sin, and I can free you from the pain in your body and whatever ails you. And it's, come on, yeah. I believe that the same power to save is the same power to heal. And both come from Jesus. And we need to be a people with expectation that even as people come forward to receive Christ, people would come forward to receive healing. Because God is still a God who heals. He's still a God who restores. He's still a God who saves. He's not changed his habits. He's not changed his address. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's healing then, he's healing now. Amen? What I think is so special about this church, you know, in the last five months that my wife and I have been here ministering, we've seen 35 people give their heart to Jesus. That's huge. That's, that's a move of God. And it's only a move of God. But my, my heart would be, are we, still, are we seeing people healed as well? Are we still seeing people restored in their bodies? And I ask, why, why God? If we're not seeing it, why aren't we seeing it? And it goes back to the message I preached a couple weeks ago about this expectation. I think we've so much, it's so much easier for us to expect people to, to receive Christ, but we don't necessarily have the expectation for people to receive healing. And just as we pray for people to find Christ, we would also pray that people would also receive healing in their bodies. Because both will always point to Jesus. The one who heals will always get the credit. The one who restores will always get the credit. The one who saves will always get the credit. It always points back to Jesus. And I believe that God is wanting to move supernaturally in this place to heal those who need a touch from Jesus. I think there's sicknesses in our bodies, there's sicknesses in our minds, there's sicknesses in our emotions that Jesus needs to touch, and he's willing to touch, and he wants to touch this morning. Which is easier. But I love in verse 24, he says this, but that you may know Say, so you may know. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been laying on, and went home, glorifying God. Isn't that powerful? Jesus is demonstrating to us today that not only can he Forgive sins, he can heal us. He can restore us. Anything that you need in your body, in your life, Jesus can minister to it. He has all authority. He has all power. He has the power and authority to do what he wants to do. And what I love about this, it's, I think it's so beautiful, is that the man now carried the mat that once carried him. The thing that he was bound to, now he had power over. And the things that in your life that try to limit you or try to bind you in some way, God is here to give you power over them in the name of Jesus. So the things that you were once carried in on, now you will leave carrying as Jesus delivers you, empowers you, and heals you in the name of Jesus. The thing that once held power over you, now you hold. The one thing that confines you, now is confined all by the power of God. Amen. That sickness that has power over you, 
that holds you back, that has broken you down, has now broken over you in the name of Jesus. That disease that dictates your movement can be bound today by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think God wants to bring healing to us. He wants to release his miracle in the house today. And if Jesus can perform a miracle of salvation in you, he can also perform a miracle of healing in you. I would say don't restrict what God can do. Don't allow any type of religious spirit to block a move of God in your life. Because God wants to move. What I love about this story, again, there's so many things I love about it, but I love that this story demonstrates that, that faith breaks the spirit of religion. Your faith can break the spirit of religion. It was the faith of these th four men that broke the religious spirit of a room full of Pharisees. Can you imagine? These religious leaders, the elite in, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Galilee, all these, these elite in, in the, the religion of Judaism, the spirit of religion was broke over them because four men demonstrated their faith. Do you know, just, just by you demonstrating your faith, you can break a spirit of religion off of somebody. How do I know this? Because verse 26 says this, And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. A spirit of religion seeks to stop a move of God, but when a genuine move of God flows, the spirit of religion still has to bow its knee. It still will take amazement and an awe of what God, the creator of the universe, is doing and what he's saying. A spirit of religion will say, you can't do this, it won't look like that, and when it happens, awe will still fall on people because God is moving. And I would declare to you today that your faith can break any type of spirit of religion, any type of limitation that anybody else would try to place on you. You have faith to believe that God can do what he said he's going to do. Even in a room full of religious people, Luke tells us that the amazement seized them all and they all gave glory to God. Friends, I, I think the Spirit of God is in this place today. I know the Spirit of God is in the place today. He's in the house today and He's wanting to move in our lives. And I, I believe and I, I'm seeking that there would be uh, such a move of God this morning that we would stand in awe and give glory to God for the extraordinary things He's going to do. And even the extraordinary things that he's doing currently in your life right now, that we would give him praise for those things as we encounter Jesus. I don't know what's been binding you or what's been holding you back, but today I believe that you're surrounded by the Spirit of God and you're surrounded by friends that are willing to lift up your needs to the Lord. Amen. I think this, if, this is a, uh, if you're in a, a place of need in your life today, this is a great place for you to be. Because we have people here that are, that are praying for you, for, for you, for each other. And we're going to lift up our concerns, lift up our needs before the Lord together. So if you're carrying something in your body, if there's an illness or a sickness in your body, if there's something going on with you and you want prayer, you want God to minister to you, then I would... I would suggest and I would, I would hope and I would pray that you wouldn't leave here with it. 
but you would come and bring it to the Lord. And ask God, if you've done it for them, you'll do it for me. And believing because there are, there's power in prayer and we are gathered together, the Spirit of God is here moving. And he says, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If we are in unity together, if we agree together, and we need to be unified in the power of Christ today. And I don't want fear to stop us. I don't want, even if you're right now in a moment as, as Sam comes forward and we begin to close, oftentimes when, when a minister calls for those who are needing healing in their body to come forward, the first thing you're going to say is, ah, it's not really that big of a deal. Right? I've been putting up with it for the last five years, 10 years, 20 years. I don't really need that. That's for other people that are dealing with more serious things. I would say if you have anything in your body that you would like God to touch, that I'm going to invite you to come forward. And I don't want fear to stop you. I don't want any type of limitation to stop you from coming forward and receiving what God has for you today. Because I believe now is the time. Now is the opportunity. And it doesn't need to be hyped up. And maybe you're thinking, well, I, if, if I felt something more, then maybe I would. And it's not about feelings. Our feelings follow what we know. And we know that God is a God that heals. Our feelings don't dictate what we believe about God. Our belief dictates our feelings, how we feel about God. So I would encourage you today, as the, if, if we could have some altar team workers come forward and just line up across the front, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for those who are needing, needing healing today. So as they come and, and spread across the front, if you're in need of anything in your life, if you need healing in your body, need healing in your mind, in your emotions, in your heart, then I'm going to invite you to come down this morning right now. Don't tell yourself it's not a big deal. Don't say that it's not that important. I, I believe that God is wanting to meet you here this morning. Amen? So I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I do, then I would, I'm going to invite you up to stand and come forward. So uh, actually, would you stand right now and let's pray together and then if you are needing prayer, come forward and we'll pray with you. Lord Jesus, we love you and I thank you, God, that you're a God of miracles. You're a God that heals. You're a God that restores. You're a God who is continuing to minister to our hearts, ministering uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit. And I believe, God, that the, the Spirit of God is here in the place. I believe, Holy Spirit, that you're here and you're ready to touch the lives and the hearts of those who are needing a touch from you. So I pray, God, right now in this moment that you would begin to flood over us, that you would anoint us with your Holy Spirit, release your healing power in the house, and that, God, you would do a new work in us today. That those who are in a sickness, who have, a, who have issues in their body, I pray, God, today that you would come and bring healing to them in the name of Jesus.